The Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast. Dear Diary, I'm hopelessly in love with two men that host a podcast. One is a cranky, miserable bastard. I'm Vin. And the other wears Spider-Man knickers. This is Scat. Oh, diary, who shall I pick? I especially love how one of them always says... We are the Trilogy Podcast, the only podcast in the universe dedicated strictly to trilogies. No reboots, no straight-to-cable. We're bringing you facts, trivia, debate, and more to hell with the movie if they made four the fourth movie, we always leave it all by itself. Oh, you uh, planned that, didn't you? Well, I thought of it as you were doing the thing. It's worth I, it. Yeah. Well worth it. Threw it in there. We're going to have to make ourselves laugh, frankly. You know Renee Zellweger's not going to do it. Exactly. <laughs> this one's for the ladies. Yes. All right, Scott, tell us what the trilogy is this time around. It is the Bridget Jones trilogy. The Bridget Jones trilogy. Yes. So yeah, we are really kind of getting to the bottom of the trilogy barrel when it comes to movies related to the holidays, I think. Yeah. So we're really yeah, trying yeah. we're always trying to connect the the films we do to the time of the year, this and that, whatever's happening in the news, perhaps. Yes. And uh so now it's all about the new year. We're about to embark on 2020. Yes. All right. 2020. Just as Bridget Jones did, she began the first two movies starting the new year. So it Right. It works out perfectly. A fresh start, a new beginning, that sort of thing. Perfect, except for the fact that we have to watch the three Bridget Jones movies. Right. That that was the one drawback about doing this episode. Problem with that. But fair enough. Yes. You can't always be a a Marvel film or a, a godfather. No. Sometimes it has to be this sort of thing. You know, the girls need to get their 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 due. And not to mention any men who may enjoy these. Oh no, we're not we're not saying that it was no. Yes. But it's clearly aimed at women. Um, And it's also important to say that we've come to the end of our 2019 trilogy year. We really discovered a lot of cool new trilogies. We bounced around the world of Star Wars. And of course, we jumped around in Marvel, as we always do. Right. But also some really interesting trilogies, right, Scott? Like Shaft was a... Yes, that was a a surprise fun one. interesting one. What else did we do that was of exception? We did The Hangover a few months ago. Uh, We did our... uh, John Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy as well. So we really delved into a lot of cool ones this year. We're all over the place. All right. So it's going to be Bridget Jones. And first and foremost, we've got to talk about what kind of trilogy this is. And of course, of course, (sighs) we're going to go to Trilogy Bot with this. Couldn't we just, you know, instead have like a Lady Bot or something? They could do this. I mean, for this episode alone, we couldn't make it special. You know what? That's not a terrible idea. Let me do a little reprogramming. And let's see what we got here. Bridget Jones is an army of fun trilogy. In this kind of trilogy, we bear witness to the adventures of one humorous character, often a fish out of water, trying to make it in a world that doesn't understand them. Now, change my voice back, assholes, or I'll kill you in your sleep. She's just as awful, it seems. Yes, yes. Um, sort of cut from the same cloth, or or the same sheet of metal, I suppose. I was able to change the voice... But I couldn't change the robot. Right. Army of Fun. This is actually only our second Army of Fun trilogy. This isn't so much about an army of one, one guy taking over the world so much as a series of incidents happening to someone and their adventures. And it's funny for that reason. Right. More comedic. So, Scott, let's not beat around the bush. I think it's time for you to jump right into your... My 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 plots. Your plots. I'm excited oh, for them. Perfect. Because in a romantic comedy like this one, okay, oftentimes it is the plots that really define the really. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Just get started. Yeah. No fanfare. Right just jump right in, and you're going to start talking and saying the plots. Yes, we're going to go right, right now, and here it goes. Okay, so uh, these are the plots for uh, Bridget Jones. Great. And uh, Scott's plots. Scott's Plots. You'll have a great time when you hear the chime and you can hear the plots of Scott. I'm not even sure that's a song. That's that's a chant. 
It's a little uh, criminologist from uh, <laughs> Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's what you were going for? I don't know what See, was going I was, for. I pictured a beef eater standing guard by the royal jewels. <laughs> Scott, tell us about your plots. All right. So uh, as usual, uh, this is uh, my plots. We're going to keep it very bare bones. No character names. Just going to give you the general gist of what happens in these movies. So if you've seen these movies and don't feel like rewatching them, got you covered. And if you've never seen these movies and are never going to watch them, which I recommend, you can just listen to yeah. my description. All right. So we'll kick it off here with the original, the one that started all. Bridget Jones's Diary. 2001. A single British woman in her 30s goes to her parents' end-of-year party where her mother tries to set her up with an old neighbor of theirs who has grown up to be a human rights lawyer and a real douche. <laughs> what is turkey curry? Is that a... What kind of dish is that? I don't understand. Well, they do a lot of curry in, in, in London and England. Uh, do they? They eat a lot of curry. Yeah, because they have a very... They have the an Indian, Indian that's influence right. there. So oh, it's, it's, okay. it's actually quite popular. All right, turkey just... curry is a, like a little weird because it's usually like a chicken curry. So that's maybe part of the joke. The British woman overhears the lawyer saying nasty things about her and decides to turn her life around and keep a diary of... Of her progress. I feel like the diary is used so haphazardly and ham-handedly throughout all of these films. Right. Much you almost more forget so. about it in the first one. Yeah, I, really. I mean, it pops up here and there, and I guess that her narration is the diary, I suppose. Yes. But the convention of, of seeing her sit there and use the diary and type it's it comes... It's unimportant it, to the movie. It comes and goes. Yeah. I, mean, I get I get that that's the novel that it's based on, this and that, but I just feel but, like But it's, especially in the other movies, when they try to use elements of that and it's like just let it go it really? at this point like it's gone beyond the diary you're way and you she look... never really makes any progress no so i mean she looks the same in the first two and the third one she's much thinner yeah than any of she it. never changes any of her behavior she just so... it kind of accepts who she is yeah you know <laughs> like, to the point where she's like i need a man who accepts who i am right but we get it close the diary idiot <laughs> <laughs> go outside <laughs> The British woman who works at a publishing company starts sleeping with her womanizing boss who tells her he was once friends with the lawyer before the lawyer slept with his fiance. It seems that every paramour that Bridget has knows the other in some way. They're connected. They're yeah. able to meet in some way. Just incidentally. Yeah, come on. They seem to all know each other. Like he's saying. The British woman invites the womanizer to a family party in the country, but he bails, saying he has business to attend to. The British woman soon finds out this is a cover, so the womanizer can bang another woman. The British woman tells off her womanizing boss and decides to find a new job in television. The British woman attends a dinner party and runs into the lawyer, who confesses his love for her, even though he's there with his girlfriend. Where, where did that even come from? What, did he see her right. one other time before that? I'm thinking of in, you, I in love passing. you. They were they were so minor the times that they saw each other in passing. I didn't even mention them in the plots previous because yeah, they, yeah. they're so unimportant to the plot. And it still even if you knew that it's still jarring. We're like, I, I oh, know. really? I wrote down no, none of these men don't know her at all. No, where's this love coming from? No. Right, and that that's a perfect example. That's one of the first examples you see of how this is meant for women because women sure. perceive. Like, I've just Love. seen you from across the room and been like, yeah. And like, at no that's point weird. does Hugh Grant make it seem like he wants anything more than just a fucker. Never seems no, to want to commit know. And she's stunned by it. She can't believe it. I, I love there's what? like the turn like, oh, no, he turned out to be a jerk. What? Like, of course he did. Yeah, there's nothing likable about him. <laughs> like, I guess I get I, what. Listen, I wouldn't say there's nothing likable about him. I he's think charming. He's like, but but because we're. Guys. We're dudes. We're yeah, watching it like, we're, look at this fucking yeah, prick. Like, yes. he's going to break her heart. Like, Ooh. you know he's not sticking around. Right. That's never going to work. But he like, doesn't try and fool her in any way. He doesn't deceive her. But I guess Even that's when she's kind like, of the, I love you, he's like, let's not get crazy. Well, that's, that is kind of the thing. Is it's almost she's deluding herself that yeah. she thinks. And, and any any of like the many women they show you that she that he's slept with uh, are all sort of deluding themselves that he's the one and he's going to leave all these other women. That's part of the joke. Her. That's right. part of the joke. Yeah. Right. The lawyer then helps the British woman land an important interview for her TV job. And soon, the British woman starts to fall for the lawyer. Really easy to get a TV job in England. Seriously. Yeah, I guess she's trying. She's just got something that nobody understands oh, that, why everyone likes that. That Bridget. We, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> on her birthday, the British woman hosts a dinner party that the lawyer shows up to, and they have a lovely time. Until the womanizer shows up. The lawyer initially leaves, but soon returns to fist fight the womanizer in the street. And that fist fight, is it me or is that like, it's like the Mortal Kombat music starts and they're, 
There's lights flashing in the background. There's techno I mean, music. It's insane. Yeah. It's these, it's like an epic, epic fistfight in the middle of this movie. He goes through a window. And I mean, they're, neither is really harmed after going through the window that much. Yeah. It reminded me of like scenes from like The Irishman, like of like <laughs> certain hits and shit. We're like, oh my God, like he's going through a window. Like it's a brutal fight. There's people screaming and running around. <laughs> like, All for nothing, because at the end of the fight, it really could have been the end of an argument, meaning like Hugh Grant has something to say. Colin, you know, he marches away. So it's not as if anyone's damaged from the the, the physicality of it. Yes. <laughs> from going through a window. Exactly. And zero effect. No effect. Why should it? Slight amount of blood on the lip, maybe. It's tradition in trilogies. In <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop, Eddie Murphy goes right through a window unharmed. And he's fine. Yeah. After the fight, the British woman ends up rejecting both of the men. On the way to her parents' anniversary party... The British woman learns that the womanizer actually slept with the lawyer's wife and not the other way around. Boy, we didn't see that one coming. Obviously. I mean, <laughs> come on. Come, even the flashback. You can't alone, believe a fucking thing this guy says. It's almost like the flashback of his bullshit story doesn't believe him telling the story. Right. Like the flashback kind of creeps in and you're like, wait a second. The cameraman from the flashback's like, that's not what really happened you're like, Are you sure? Uh, I don't remember it that way. <laughs> the screenplay didn't remember it that way, for God's sake. That's know, how, it was a while ago, but I'm pretty sure it was not no, like this. No, no human being was fooled no the british woman confesses her love for the lawyer but he and his girlfriend are leaving for new york to start new jobs and the british woman is heartbroken later the british woman's friends are about to cheer her up with an impromptu trip to paris when the lawyer arrives and says he's not going to new york oh, god just as they are about to make love the lawyer sees the british woman's diary while she is out of the room the lawyer sees all the awful things the British woman said about him and immediately leaves. We know it's a misunderstanding in some way. It's no, sure. it's this no. This can't be how this movie is. It's, come on. The British woman, realizing what happened, chases after him in her underwear, only to find that he has bought her a new diary to make a fresh start. And they kiss. Whew. Pretty straightforward. I, I mean, didn't get it. I didn't. I, yeah. It's always about her choice, right? Like she has all these options that she could use and it's, oh, what am I to do? Well, ultimately, it's about her poor self-esteem and how. Which is crazy because she's landing, you know, arguably Britain's more attractive men. No question about it. <laughs> like, we don't see her having any problems at but all. But I guess the thing is, like, every time she tries to have one of those moments, something always goes wrong, though. Well, because you know, she's well, awkward. She's awkward. There's really two main problems with Bridget that I want to get to later on. <laughs> that fuck her Only shit two? Up. You can really reduce them down to two things that happen over and over yeah, again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She but can, no, before we get there, we should you should go on to the second on, plot. Because yes. yeah. I'll get crazy. Now we move on to Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason. Whatever the fuck that means. 2004. The British woman and the lawyer are still together. But when the British woman meets the lawyer's hot new assistant, she starts to become suspicious. Always with the... You can't see what you got in front of you, Bridget. Serious. Enough already. <laughs> Your assumption is always wrong. Right. But she knows it. She's. I think that's the thing. She's cognizant of the fact she constantly makes the wrong decision, but has no it. willpower to right. change. But you know, yeah. the whole thing is he's like, I like you just the way you are. Right. But at the same time, stop acting like an asshole all the time. You, There's a difference. He clearly does not just like her <laughs> the way she is, as is evidenced by everything she does in these movies and how he reacts but, to them. But like, No, but Scott, he is. I think he's exceptionally tolerant a lot of the time. Right. Really. Yeah. To a point where it's like, enough already. Yeah. When he marches out in the third movie, after finding out he might, you know, not be the baby's father, he's like, fuck off, bitch. How much can I? <laughs> right. How much know? can I endure? Though? Really? Like Meanwhile, the British woman's TV job offers her a job doing travel videos alongside the womanizer from the first one. And she reluctantly accepts. The lawyer invites the British woman to a fancy lawyer dinner, where after embarrassing herself several times, she realizes she might not be good enough for the lawyer. The British woman and the lawyer then go on a ski trip, but finds out the new assistant is also there along with some of the lawyer's other work colleagues. The British woman thinks she might be pregnant, but Ugh. after a pregnancy test and an argument, they find she is not. The next day, at a lunch with their parents, the lawyer scoffs at the idea of getting married. 
Back home, the British woman hears an answering machine message from the assistant that makes her more suspicious and after talks to her friends who tell her to confront the lawyer. Mm -hmm. The lawyer refuses to answer and they break up. She's like, you won't fight for me. And he's like... I, yeah, I, it's it's. He's like, you're an embarrassment. Just be cool. Just be cool. <laughs> you just chill out. I'm fine. Everything's I, fine. I, I'm not. Why should I have to fight for you? There should be. It shouldn't be a fight. This movie should just be called like Bridget Jones' Paranoia. Like yeah. it's because it's she invents the entire plot of this movie. Uh huh. Like it's all just her reacting to. There's no logical reason for her to leave him here. The British woman travels to Thailand to film the travel guide TV show with the womanizer, and her friend tags along and almost immediately starts banging some younger guy. Over the course of filming the travel guide TV show, the British woman and the womanizer start to reconnect until the womanizer orders a Thai prostitute as a backup in case things didn't work out with the British woman. Thought we were watching uh, <laughs> the, hangover the Hangover Part 2 right? for yeah. a second, right? A Thai lady boy came yeah, in. And, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're right. back in Thailand. Yeah. Who would think that two of our trilogies would take place in Thailand, of right? all places? Yeah. Say the word place again, place city place. <laughs> place, place. <laughs> as they're leaving Thailand, they are arrested for smuggling cocaine, as the younger guy was using them as drug mules. And meanwhile, Hugh Grant sees it all going down, and he's like, oh. Fuck whatever. <laughs> Whoa, that's embarrassing. Like, and just leaves. He's just suddenly bad when required in all of these movies. Yeah. In the second one, again, you're like, okay, maybe he has changed. Right. Am I just being seduced by Hugh Grant? <laughs> I think that might be I it. I think that might I be think it. that's it. He's charming. You're like, I want you to I be like good. I like him. <laughs> the British woman is put in a Thai prison where she makes a lot of friends. The lawyer comes to the prison to let her know she's getting out. Because he thinks the British woman slept with the womanizer, the lawyer acts disinterested. But when he returns from Thailand, he has another fist fight with the womanizer, who tells the lawyer they didn't sleep together. That entire scene in that Thai prison is one of the most bizarre, strange, yes, out of place, out of whack things I've ever seen. Yeah, and kind of like I, I could see someone being offended. But it's also like, I mean, really, Bridget is that adorable that she turned around all these prisoners who have yeah. been there for years, I'm sure they're pretty hardened you know, and bitter. I think if we were to go to a Thai prison, we would see some things we don't want to see. The British woman is released and returns home to her friends, who tell her the lawyer personally tracked down the younger guy and made him confess to get the British woman out. The British woman runs to see the lawyer, but when she gets to his house, his assistant is there, and the Ugh. British woman assumes they are together. Just ask, you know what, all of these romantic comedies could just, the whole movie could be solved if someone asked the right question at the right, <laughs> right. time. Yeah, All exactly. of them, every, not just Bridget Jones. Yeah. The very few romantic comedies I've seen. Especially these movies, I found myself almost being like, just tell him. Yeah. Why wouldn't you tell him that piece of information so we could just get this over with? Ugh. But yeah, it's that fine line with Bridget between being charming and just being an idiot. The British woman runs to see the lawyer, but when she gets to his house, his assistant is there and the British woman assumes they are together only to find the assistant is actually interested in the British woman who's writing this movie who politely declines. Yeah, well. <laughs> a, a lesbian angle? Where did this come from? I guess what they wanted to have this? like a little twist to be like, to really hammer home that it's all in her head. Are we supposed to feel like idiots too? It's like, hey audience, the clues are right in front of you the entire time. Here are oh, the no, five like examples. <laughs> Thanks. I'm an idiot too. I'm just like as stupid as Bridget. I had no idea. Yeah. But it's funny because like once you know and they show you those five examples, you're like, oh, okay. But okay. like they're like, hello, Bridget. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. You're like, why was I supposed to know that she was in love with her? The British woman runs to see the lawyer at court and asks for another chance. And the lawyer proposes. Hmm. And that's, oh, that's where edge of reason. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Bridget Jones on the edge so of reason. So bad they had to wait 12 years <laughs> before making another before one. Before they made another one. All right. So let's just jump into this and just yeah. knock these fuckers down. Loving it. Let's go. All right. So this is uh, uh, Bridget Jones's baby. All the way up to 2016. The British woman is now in her 40s and is no longer with the lawyer. She attends a funeral for the womanizer, where she runs into the lawyer and his wife. The anchor from her TV news job invites the British woman to a music festival, where she meets a handsome American and bones him. When she returns home, the British woman goes to one of her friend's kids' christenings, as she is the godmother, only to find out that the lawyer 
is The Godfather. <laughs> Trilogy. <laughs> My phone actually auto-corrected it to capitalize, so it's The go. Godfather. There you go. Now, let me ask you, uh, what is a worse Ed Sheeran cameo, this or Game of Thrones? That's funny you should mention that, because I, I wrote that down. It seems that Sheeran just does cameos in films. I feel like every time I see him in a movie, I'm like, oh, I should know who he is. And then I'm like... <laughs> The lawyer tells the British woman he and his wife are getting divorced. And he and the British woman bang. Mm. In the morning. It's like a softcore perfume ad. It's weird. Like they do yeah. a noirish sort of Well, because it's love. Yeah. They're in love. They're showing it. Yeah. It seemed like they went upstairs from the party and just fucked in like a bedroom. I don't I don't think it well, was. I, I don't know I, if I it think was. They, I think wherever the party was, was in. it seemed like it was in like a... Another room. In the morning. She leaves a note telling the lawyer that it was a mistake. Weeks later, the British woman realizes she's pregnant thanks to expired condoms, but doesn't know if it's the Americans or the lawyers. And we're like, oh, it's going to be about a baby now. Yeah, and I can. Childbirth, I, great. Yeah. And can I just ask, as, as a woman in her 40s, how do you not know that condoms expire? I don't know. I've never really used a condom. Whoa. No, I'm just saying <laughs> it's not my. my Birth control of choice. Oh, I see. Or has ever been. Oh, just saying. Vasectomy. You have. You've had a vasectomy. No, I haven't. No, I'm are you making a joke about my age in some way. No, I was just saying that that's another option, another birth control option you could use. I know what options I have. Thank you. <laughs> I'm aware. I'm aware. I like pulling out. I'm aware. <laughs> Come on, Scott. <laughs> The British woman discovers the American is a rich creator of a dating app and books him as a guest on the TV show she works on so she can get a sample of his DNA. Tedious. This whole thing, just tedious. And and ultimately uh, unsuccessful. It's cruel. And, and, uh, yeah, well, She's it, just being cruel it's here. It's so shady. It's yeah. like so weird. Like, She's being cruel to both men. I don't get it. Well, you may never get it. The American realizes what's happening and confronts the British woman who tells the American she's pregnant and it's his. She then meets up with the lawyer and tells him the baby is his. Because there is a small risk of miscarriage, the British woman refuses the DNA test and lets both men think they're the father. That's not a good enough excuse. I, well, well, it's crazy, right? Because she's like, oh, I just can do a little amniocentesis. She's like, whoa, 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 not... That is entirely like, like totally normal, accepted, totally regular and kind of necessary yeah. because it tells you if the baby's sick yeah. or what's going to happen Emma Thompson to it. sort like, of brought this on herself. But you know, it's always a great comedic character. The doctor with the bad bedside manner. No question you know? about it. And uh, a welcome addition, I think, to the world of Bridget Jones. Emma Agreed. Thompson. Agreed. Um, She's too good for the movie. The American and the lawyer end up meeting, and the British woman tells them the truth. The American and the lawyer both decide to support the British woman. But when the American tells the lawyer that he and the British woman didn't use a condom, the lawyer leaves and won't return the British woman's calls. They got him doing sort of a Hugh Grant, suddenly he's a bit of a cad, Patrick Dempsey, for that ruse. Yes. When the American realizes the British woman is still in love with the lawyer, he admits what he told the lawyer, and the British woman rushes to see the lawyer, only to see his wife at his house and leaves. Hasn't this happened three times already? Every time. Later, while nine months pregnant, the British woman loses all her possessions and locks herself out of her apartment. She gets her stuff stuck in an ATM vestibule. Right. Suddenly, she decides in the rain to march and fruitlessly just sit in front of her apartment with no logical way of getting in, no right. plan. How about wait till someone comes along to use the ATM machine? Even better, stop someone and say, you know what? Look at my stuff. It's sitting right there. Can you use your card to just let me in real fast to get my stuff? Right. Everyone will do it for you. Which, I, which is initially what I thought, but then they turn the light out on the bank. Which also, well, but also well, tells you that someone's in the building and they just turn the light off. So if you knock, maybe they'll come open it and yeah. let you get your shit back out. The lawyer shows up and helps her get into her apartment and tells her his wife was there only to collect her belongings. Suddenly, the British woman goes into labor. Why couldn't she walk? Why couldn't you flag down a cab? Yeah, just get a cab immediately. He has a wallet. Yeah. He still has money. I said, get it's a London. Cab. There's cabs <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Why is the solution to pick her up? I know. The British woman, the lawyer, and the American arrive at the hospital where the British woman gives birth to a baby boy. 
The American and the lawyer then agree to a DNA test to determine who the real father is. One year later, we see the British woman marry the lawyer. Who is the father? We knew. Don't try and fool us by having Patrick Dempsey holding the baby at the yeah at the altar, and then gotcha. suddenly, yeah. Also, a newspaper tells us the womanizer is not dead. I I pumped my fist when that came up. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie to you. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, you. I, I thought it was really cool. <laughs> I just uh, I I had the exact opposite reaction no. where I went, why? Why was Dude, that even necessary? Come on, that's a fucking. But you get this nice ending. This yep. is the end of the trilogy. They're walking off into the sunset. They finally got together. Bridget's <laughs> life is like fucking quick little. Her life is like Friday the Thirteenth, and Jason is never dead. Are we? To be, but that's what I'm saying. Are we to believe that there's going to be a fourth movie? I hope so. I hope he comes along. I wish it had come before. We I hope did he this comes episode. along and kills everyone. That's that's <laughs> the, that'll be the fourth movie, right? For Bridget Jones, it was always the same old story. You may only see it once, but that will be enough. All right, very good, Scottington. That's it. Yeah, I liked we, it. Blam, 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 blam. So, the Bridget Jones trilogy, Scott. Yes. There's a lot of information about this. A lot of information. Mm, I thought we had put that <laughs> expression to bed. Uh, I'm going to keep bringing it back every once yeah, in a while until, right. you, until, until you warm up to it. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, this is our second film, I would suggest, that is a big-time all-British cast in the world of England. We did, of course, the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, right. which was also helmed by a um, you know, British director, British cast, crew, by and large. Um, but this is our second uh, foray into that world as well, worth mentioning. Although... Of course, we saw a lot of English actors with the Star Wars trilogies yes, and uh, Lord of the right. Rings as well. So, you you know, you definitely get the kind of films that, you know, right from, a, from across the pond. Um, and also the final thing I kind of want to just say overall is that notice how trilogies, Scott, reflect society. A great example is we did Shaft this year and that yes. confronted racism and race in a big way. And this movie, whether we think it was successful or not. Talks about feminism, all right? Yeah. It deals with the world of feminism. So trilogies are, are covering, you know, the bases of our, and our I think, cultural landscape. Like the first movie feels very girl power, right? Uh -huh. like no question about like it. Like that old 90s way of thinking about feminism, basically. Um, and I feel and, like... And at the time was a fresh way of thinking of feminism, frankly. Right. Because you're coming off right. the 80s, so it was about a woman defining her own place, taking charge of her own sexualities, sex-positive right. feminism, right. you know, and being unapologetic about, like, I'm going to drink, I'm going to smoke like a chimney in the case of this film. Well, and, and honestly, I think it's almost like Bridget Jones started this of, like, female, like, you know, more empowerment themes in, like, female-centric movies and almost, like, comes back, and by the third one, you're like, all right, well, the, it's sort of been perfected at this point. We look at some of the things that happen in the first movie with the the sexual harassment and the way that Hugh Grant talks to her and this and that. Right. And and she's owning it and, con and controlling it. It's still kind of, like, we see it in today's very PC light, and it's like, ooh, whoa, you know? Yeah. But then... Full circle, look at the big television series this year, Fleabag. Unapologetic, sexual, and it began and ended in England. For sure, this is, I, I thought of that too, that, that Fleabag is the evolution of yeah. this. I want to fuck a priest. Catholic? Yes. A good one? Yes. Looks good in the... Uh... Mm, yes. I understand. Because even it has, Bridget Jones has this thing of like, oh, this is who I am and this is, a, I'm just your average girl and I'm going to be a little bit overweight. I'm going to be, right. but it's not fully as honest as like Fleabag or some works that sure. are coming out well, now. Well, I mean, it was based on a book. Okay. Right. So it's, it's adhering to the idea of the book by the same name, 1996, uh, Bridget Jones Diary invented the genre of chick lit. Yes. Okay. The, the exact kind of female character we just described. No reason to redescribe it. Right. That, which was very new at the time. And this was a, a sort of an update of uh, the Pride and Prejudice. Yep. Exactly. A, a kind of reimagining of Pride and Prejudice. My feelings will not be repressed. You must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. The first movie came on the heels of how big Renee Zellweger was with Jerry Maguire. But there was a little controversy because it's such a quintessentially British character. When an American was cast, yes, people were questioning it. But you know, she took the accent lessons from the same person that gave Gwyneth Paltrow accent lessons for Shakespeare in Love, hmm. and it, most people consider her to have done a very good job, to have pretty much mastered it. I think the accent is fine, but you know, it still bothers me the entire time. Where I'm like, everyone else is British. 
Plus, you could have found any other actress who you know has better comedic chops than Renee Zellweger. I don't find her funny at all. That's what's kind of tricky about this. They cast her because they said she could both play romantic and comedy, and she's she's I'd say she's capable. I don't dislike her. I didn't hate her in Jerry Maguire. Yeah, but the reality is, and maybe again, this is because I'm a guy. I was much more interested in the dynamic between Jerry Maguire and Cuba Gooding Jr. and their relationship and the football right. story in the same way that in all these movies, I'm more interested in the background character stories. Yeah. I'm not interested in her love story. Like the parents. I would watch a yeah. whole movie of the parents. That's what I'm saying. So I'm not, I'm not into her love story. That doesn't that doesn't play for me. Yeah. I, so right. again, not for us. Not for us. You're going to hear that a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, big uh, money success, though. All right. Yes. You know, uh, made for 25 wound up doing about 280 big time overseas market for these films more so than mm. in America, especially the second and third. These are still top five movies in the UK. Good show. Jolly good show. Bridget Jones, baby. There was controversy in a big way over Renee Zellweger's plastic surgery. Yeah. It's a shame they couldn't get her original face to come back for the third yeah, one. Yeah. She really looks in the trailers, people were like, who is this person? She looked very different. It was. I remember when pictures were circulating probably around 2015, 2016, when the movie yep. was coming out, of like her coming back into the limelight, and people were like, what? That's a, that's a different person. And there was Are controversy. you sure that's her? And, like, and there was, she's, she's basically saying, oh, it's sexist to judge me that way. It's just aging. And the rest of us are like, there's not a line on your face. And yeah. is there an obligation, especially if you're playing a character... A, a trilogy character, someone that's coming back to look like the character initially did. In, in well, to, in, in a sense, though, it kind of takes away from the character of Bridget Jones, who is yes. sort of this imperfect, kind of chunky, uh, you point. know, average girl who fucking waddles everywhere right. she walks. No so question. It changes about it. the dynamic a little bit. I can't ski. I can't ride. I can't speak Latin. My legs only come up to here. And yes, I will always be just a little bit fat. But it got good reviews. Emma Thompson came in to do a rewrite on the script. It wound yes. up getting good reviews. And ultimately, the first and third uh, film got good reviews, and the second one was basically panned by the critics. Yeah. These books uh, were written by Helen Fielding. Mm -hmm. um, and she also she knew the director, uh, Shannon McGuire, who really did nothing else save for the first and third Bridget Jones films. Yeah. But there was a lot of actors. So you got Renee Zellweger. Okay. Yes. She is the title character, <laughs> but she, uh, you know, she did Nurse Betty before this, right? Oh, actually. with Greg Kinnear. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, in addition to uh, Chicago, right? And Cold Mountain. Now, did she win the Oscar for I Chicago? Just, I just named her big movies. She received um, nominations for this film um, right. for uh, for Chicago, and she won for Cold Mountain. A couple of years <laughs> later, country star Kenny Chesney seduced her with the song You Had Me at Hello, a oh, line God. from her fucking movie. Wow, like, that's... how corny. And she went for it. And there were, like, famous pictures of, like, them on the beach after their wedding, and he's got a cowboy <laughs> hat, and she's all in love with him. And you're like, oh, my God, dude, he was... It, he's a country guy that, that liked you in a movie. Yeah. And, like, reached out to you. <laughs> yeah. Because he liked the way you said a line in a movie. Yeah. And now she's back with a Netflix show, anthology show. Really? It's I called, didn't know that. It's called What If. Um, you've got Colin Firth. Yes. Um, he's not the second. He's the Firth. I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, been waiting to use that one a long time. Who you calling Firth? <laughs> All of these actors have been in tons of Shakespeare, all kinds of revivals and adaptations all over the BBC. They all have worked all over. But he's really, uh, he blew up right around uh, 2010 with a nomination for the single man and he won for King's Speech. Right. All right. So that's Firth in there. You might have also seen him, what, in Scott, The English Patient, Shakespeare in Love, Mary Poppins Returns. Huh. And also Colin uh, Firth is... Uh, in the Kingsman films. Yes. And that's a soon-to-be trilogy. Yes. As of next year, so... Um, listen, boys, I've had a rather emotional day. I'd appreciate it enormously if you could just leave us in peace until I finish this lovely pint of Guinness. Hugh Grant, Scott. Yes. He was the hot number through the 90s. Right. In a big way. Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill, Mickey Blue Eyes. Right. About a boy. Um, and he's really was a big paparazzi guy. 
off camera. Of course, the very famous uh, time he tried to pick up a prostitute. Yes. Um, he's, you know, he's with Elizabeth Hurley, one of the most gorgeous women in the world, a model, for God's sake. And uh, instead, he's picking up Divine Brown on the Sunset Strip. Right. So, and he went on famously on um, on The Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. And um, he was questioned by Leno. And that was the night that The Tonight Show surpassed Letterman as the most popular late night show. And it never looked back. It was always the number one show. Huh. It was that night. It was a huge turning point. Yeah. Let me start with question number one. <laughs> what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> He was also, uh, um, he was in Nine Months, the comedy about babies, which I think is interesting that he yeah. decided not to do Bridget Jones' baby, but he had years earlier done Nine Months, which is actually a, a very enjoyable movie that I highly recommend. Tom really? Arnold is in it, and he's actually really? funny in it. Hmm. So the last day of the movie, I said, hey, you're staying in L.A., let's, let's hang out next week. And he's like, oh my gosh, did you think we were friends? And then that night, he got arrested with uh, uh, Divide Brown, the prostitute. He, and I swear to God, he called me from jail. He's like, bloody hell! I just got arrested. I'm like, did you think we were friends? I'm going to get to some of the minor characters, okay? Because they sure. all come back. I'm not going to get crazy because these folks really only are, you know, one bullet point apiece. All right? Sure. We're talking about the parents, Jim Broadbent. Now, this guy is a trilogy superstar yes. for us in a big way. Multiple trilogies. Yes. All right? The uh, Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, of course. Using Hot Fuzz as uh, um uh, Nick Frost's father. Right, right. A main character in that. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as The Chronicles of Narnia, another trilogy. Mm, that um, one I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's done a lot of big movies. He he won an Academy Award. He was, um, yeah, he was also in the Harry Potter series. Harry Potter, Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Big time English dude. Very capable. You incompetent flatfoot. Um, his wife, Gemma Jones. Excellent. Excellent. Um, we would know her as uh, Madame Pomfrey from Harry Potter, the nurse. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. her biggest thing. Now you got her three main friends. Shirley Henderson plays Jude. She's got a crazy voice, that crazy high baby voice. Yeah. Harry Potter again. I, that's where I had like the third movie I recognized yep. finally. I'm like, oh, fucking Moaning, Moaning Myrtle. Myrtle. Right. Yeah. Uh, but she's also in Train Spotting. I recognize her from Train Spotting, a movie oh, I've seen yeah. many times. Let's all throw books at Myrtle because she can't feel it. Ten points if you get it through her stomach. Fifty points if it goes through her head. The male friend that she has, uh, James Callis is the name of the actor, but you know him from what, Scott? He, I know him as uh, Gaius Baltar from uh, Battlestar Galactica. That's a series. Yes, the TV series. I think he's basically the creator of the Cylons or like the something like that. Uh, but he's like, a main character. Like he's in all of them. He's yes. a main big deal. Yes. And then you have Sally Phillips. They love her in England. She's had a radio show there since like the early 2000s. But I already knew her from Veep. She plays um, Minna. She's Julia Louis-Dreyfus's kind of rival. They've oh, okay. got a, a passive-aggressive rivalry, and she's super funny on that. So it's cool to see her. Oh, it's so nice to be here with, uh, with friends here and, of course, a dear friend right next to me. Yes, we have met twice. So you got the three friends, all right? And then you have Uncle uh, Jeffrey, the guy that grabs Bridget's ass all the time. Yes. He's played by a guy named James Faulkner, but we know him from the Game of Thrones... He's Randall Tarley, Samuel's oh. miserable father. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't realize winds that. up being killed. Yes. I already have a queen. Dracarys. So those are your main characters. Pretty much an all-English cast, save for Renee, with a lot of overlapping credits. That seems to be the case. All right, Scott. It's probably apropos that we jump into the, the highlights from the diary. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> the highlights from each of our individual diaries in watching this film. Yes. The first film, Bridget Jones' Diary 2001. Have you met Miss Jones? Someone said as we shook hands. It all began on New Year's Day. Handing out gherkins. I seem to remember as a kid, you could go somewhere and get a, from out of a barrel and get a bunch of gherkins in a... We used to have like street fairs and shit yeah. and they'd come out and it was like, they'd have these big like spicy pickles you could buy. Talking and... like we grew up in 1937. <laughs> and the man came by in his yeah. wagon and... He ladled... rolled the barrel down. <laughs> he ladled milk into my hand. <laughs> a fly was on top. He flipped it away and said, continue drinking your milk, boy. How about a pickle? Can I eat the pickle? The smoking really is jarring. 
with it's, the, it's a lot like to the level of like fight club levels yeah. or, <laughs> or fucking glenn glary glenn ross levels i'm, of smoking I'm all for movie. it but i'm just saying it's a bit jarring not yeah. it's not a criticism i'm like all right it's it's you know you're looking back now and going oh well i guess that, that, that was in movies a lot if you look for it you can see these little dots come into the upper right hand corner of the screen in the industry we call them cigarette burns I tell you what, it's pretty sad, though. You're living a sad life, not of your lip syncing all by myself, which is pathetic in its own right. Sure. But if you're sitting at home uh, by yourself watching Frasier reruns, <laughs> Niles? <laughs> I mean, really. There's, there's nothing sadder than that. Yeah. Scrambled eggs all over my face. What is a boy to do? Now, I'm going to blow your mind Uh-oh. with a trilogy superstar. I, don't know I you... feel like I've already written it down, but... I think right. I know what's coming. The actor who plays Mr. Fitzherbert, he's referred oh, to I as don't know. Okay. Tits Pervert. He's yes. always looking at her boobs. He's he, like her middle boss. Of course. Right? Mr. Tits Pervert. Mr. Tits Pervert. He's in Return of the Jedi. Scott, that's the Rancor Keeper. No shit. Who I said was the smelliest. Wow. He's the Rancor Keeper. Wow. Who's so sad when Luke kills the Rancor. So they went out and got, the, you're, you're right, you blew my mind. Let yeah. me just accept that and say that <laughs> I was wrong and you blew my mind. But they went out and got the perfect guy to play a character named Tits Pervert. Yeah. I mean, like, you're like yeah, he was a sloppy, you know, In piece of game. shit. <laughs> he went from loving the Rancor to loving Bridget Jones. I guess she's similar to the Rancor in some ways. Yeah, I mean, you love who you love. I love Lamp. I love Lamp. Well, listen, and I, I don't know, I don't know what good time is to say this, Bridget Jones suffers from two problems throughout all three of these movies. Yes. The first one is any time she's speaking in public, it seems like a bad improv scene where they've just given you a topic and told you to talk about it and you're just kind of meandering along. Yeah. And as you go along, you're saying the wrong thing over and over again. But those scenes are deadly. They go on yes. and on with her saying the wrong thing. Right. The second thing, which is a little more ridiculous, is she constantly isn't checking rooms and people before she commits to doing some outrageous oh, yeah. sexual thing. So she'll bust into a room and say something without looking like five times. Constantly. Constantly on the yeah. speakerphone. Nudity. It happens nonstop. Yes. Just look, pay attention to what you're doing. <laughs> I've just had a rather graphic shag flashback. You two have a genuinely gorgeous bottle. Thank you. I'm actually with the Mexican ambassador, the head of Amnesty International and the undersecretary for trade and industry. And you're on speakerphone. <laughs> oh, I love a good limerick. Do you really, Scott? Yes. <laughs> Maybe you, it's my Irish heritage. Can you, can you recite one for us right now? Well, I have the one that was in the movie. Do it. Go ahead. I'd like to hear it. I don't remember a limerick. There was a young woman from Ealing. Oh, that one. Who had a peculiar feeling. Laid on her back and opened her crack and pissed all over the ceiling. There's <laughs> something about the, the way like a limerick it. is broken down. Something very satisfying about a limerick. There, there once was a man from Nantucket. I don't remember the rest. <laughs> and then he died. <laughs> I think the end has ended with fuck it. But you get the, you get But it. fuck it. You know, seriously. Was there no lady lived in a shoe? She had so many kids, a uterus fell out. Oh. He's uh, he's dating an American named Lara at one point. Uh, That's right. Hugh Grant. And I think it's just interesting that he was like, well, you know, she's American. So it's a whole different. I'm like, yeah, but so is. So she, <laughs> that's just Renee Zellweger, don't you understand? We, She's doing a fake British accent. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, we know this isn't re reality, right? <laughs> that's an actress yeah. that's American. <laughs> we didn't forget this wasn't an American. I refuse to suspend my disbelief. <laughs> Not that's that an much. American woman. And you just made me remember. So thank you. <laughs> I had suspended it for yeah. five seconds. Idiot. Um, also, another funny moment is the quick cut to her uh, dead on the floor of her apartment being eaten by dogs. That should be the level of comedy in the rest of the yeah, movie. Yeah, I can and see it that. it kind of isn't. Why don't we cut you up into little pieces and feed you to your pooches? Hmm? And then we'll see how loyal a hungry dog really is. When she quits their job, she's like, I'd rather wipe Saddam Hussein's ass. And it was like, that's yeah, but that was a big time enemy then. Yeah. Big time. That really dates the movie hard. If you're watching a movie from further back and someone's like, oh, the Ayatollah Khomeini, you know, oh, like, you know what? Like when we watched The Naked Gun and ah. they have that opening scene with all the world's bad guys and you're like, that's not them anymore. Like, yep. Gorbachev and all that shit. Scott, I said it then and I'll say it again now. Ayatollah, 
Asahola. <laughs> Fact. Can we get rid of this Ayatollah t-shirt? Khomeini died years ago. But Marge, it works on any Ayatollah. Ayatollah Nakhbada, Ayatollah Zahedi. Even as we speak, Ayatollah Rasmara and his cadre of fanatics are consolidating their power. I did like when they have the dinner party, when she's making the soup, and it ends up blue because she uses the blue yarn right. the dye gets in there. I immediately thought of blue milk from, from Star Wars. Well. Which, as you know, I brought up several times in the... It's no. British manners, though. True. Because in The Great Muppet Caper, fucking Miss Piggy breaks into... John Cleese's house, and they still give her dinner directions. It's also like in uh, was it European Vacation, where they keep running Eric Idle over Idol. on the bike, and he's like, "Oh, it's all right. I'll pop into the cabinet. He rides his rain in the morning. It's just a foot, really. Yeah. <laughs> I've got another. Oh, no, it's fine. He's like, "Oh, you're gushing blood. <laughs> no, exactly no, no, right. no. Oh, uh, sorry to bother you. You, uh, you haven't seen a bike around here, have you? Oh yeah, sure. It's right here under the car. Let me get it for you. This movie seems to me to be a love story between Hugh Grant and Colin Firth. And I honestly think most women would have been fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, that's what it is. Yeah, they'll be like, just give us what we want. Yeah. We don't need our character in the middle. Just just have these two gay men have a cute relationship. That's all Which I Which climaxes <laughs> to, again, a Mortal Kombat-style fight <laughs> yes. in, the sh- in an empty street through plates of glass. Yes. Finish him. Where he's like, uh, he's like, and now I have to do this. He's like, do what? He's like, this. And he punches him in the face. And right now he's like, what the fuck do you think you're doing? This. And punches him again. Like, Stop asking him questions. He's going to keep answering with punches. Just leave it alone. Don't you see what he's doing? Just no. walk away. That's good. May I say my trilogy superstar that you have not mentioned yet? She's only in this first movie. Embeth Davids, Who's, who what? plays uh, Mark's girlfriend in this, was also the love interest for Bruce Campbell in Army of Darkness. Jeez, really? I missed that That's entirely. Right. That's right. Good I job. Almost for, I almost missed that that was Embeth oh, Davids, though, wow, because yeah. she looks very different in that movie. Yeah. Shorter hair. Yes. Yeah. You found me beautiful once. Honey. You got real ugly. So, Scott, that brings us basically to Bridget Jones' The Edge of Reason. I'm not in love, so don't forget it. It's just a silly face I'm going through. This movie was even more ridiculous than the first My one, radically so. God. Because someone misinterpreted the character of Bridget Jones and instead made her act like she was fucking Charlie Chaplin the whole movie. Like she's like wearing coats that are too big for her. She's falling right. down. She can't ski. She can't do this. It's like watching fucking Goofy do like the Olympic sports. You're like right. it was ridiculous. It's like Buster Keaton. She's she's skiing through a competition out yeah. the other side of the competition. They're applauding her like she, right. No she, one's outraged. She would never be anywhere near a competition <laughs> literally i thought i'm like did she get stupider like from one movie to the next because even in the beginning someone's at her door is like they're like bridget jones she's like no i'm bridget jones I'm like okay you definitely like, someone hit her in the head between the first movie and the second movie and she yeah. just got like yeah it was just a, a fundamental misunderstanding of what this character mm-hmm. was and what she's supposed to be doing she becomes ridiculous it's nonsense ridiculous I like ice cream too, mate. First and foremost, they don't let you skydive alone ever. No, the first I time. Wrote you'll the same die. You'll thing. die for that. In that that's an example of why you'll die. No one seems to care if she lives or dies no at one. her work or in the world. Like because then she lands in a pig trough in a pig zone. Of let me course, tell you something. she does. Pigs will tear you apart. Okay, <laughs> I'm not. Listen, I went through a whole thing about the danger of monkeys. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm afraid of every animal, but I am familiar just with how, most. Just most. Look, <laughs> pigs are known to attack. They will go through bone like butter. So be wary of any man who keeps a pig farm. Another trilogy superstar. Jessica Hines? Yes. Stevenson. Formerly now. Jessica Stevenson. Right. She was in Shaun of the Dead. She was the... Leader of the bizarre, like bizarre version right. of them when they encountered each other, which of course was a reference to they uh, done spaced. There, her right. and Simon Pegg were the right. two main characters. We talked of that about show. that. Yeah. So down the road, she's good. very funny too. Yeah, yeah. she's uh, like Bridget's new friend. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, I was a barmaid once, and I loved it. You know, 
the hustle and bustle of a busy bar. Can I get some service, please? Oh, fuck you. See, I think she is there kissing uh, Mark, I believe, in the street out front of her apartment. And he's kind of like, oh, let's go upstairs. And like, no. And like kissing in the street. And there's that group of like, you know, teenage, yeah. no good English kids. <laughs> it's like all these street toughs eating their kebabs and <laughs> laughing and oying. Oi, oi, oi. schmear. We hear uh, what the world needs now. In this, ah. which was also used, of course, in uh, another trilogy, Austin yeah. Powers. Oh yeah, that's right. Another, that another British, British Army of Fun trilogy. Yeah. Right. Good call. Good call. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bert Bacharach. Oh, I just want to mention uh, movies never, and this goes for the third movie as well, because there is sort of the pregnancy scare in the second one, which uh -huh. I thought was interesting. Movies never acknowledge that they're covered in pee. Like they're always handling them and handing them to each other. What do you mean? The 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 urine tests for well, the I think only the tests. little part of it's covered in pee. It the whole thing's gonna be covered in pee. What oh, is she I don't a know. fucking sharpshooter? I don't I'm not a girl. I don't know how <laughs> No, she's gonna piss all over. Well, I don't think it comes out like I think it comes out in a pretty straight stream. Well, I'm just saying. They're always like touching man's. it, they're putting it on the table. I'm like, you might wanna not mm, do that. It's that's a good point. But I think that women when they're dealing with such an issue or expected husbands are willing to touch a little pee. To me, it's like if you took a thermometer, took your temperature and then handed it to somebody else and yeah. they took it without even. I don't know. Like, Scott. Oh, don't put that in your mouth. Don't be such a priss, Scott. I, I feel know. like every third time I use the bathroom, some pee gets in my hand. What are we talking about here? I'm just saying. I mean, come on. Pee is no big deal. It would be covered. All right. <laughs> It'd be soaking. All in right, breath. Scott. What are all those stains? Blood, urine or semen? Oh, God, I hope it's urine. At one point. They, uh, you know, she's giving the report of how many pounds she's lost. Yeah. Pounds? They don't use pounds. Ah, they, stone. Y well, or I would think they would use kilogram. Yeah. Yeah. Either stone <laughs> or kilogram. That's very good. I hadn't even yeah. thought of that. Very Which good. is weird. It's like, because most of the time they're saying the correct thing that an English person would say, yeah. or at least some version of All it. All right. And then they use pounds. And I'm like. Good catch. Oh, God, please don't chuck me. Don't chuck me. Uh, if you have chucked me, please change your mind. I'll behave much better in future. I thought it was funny. She's a fan of Madonna in this movie, which never really gets talked about in any of the other movies. But it's interesting because uh, Madonna is also a uh, American person pretending to be British. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, Scott. <laughs> you have nailed it. Gotcha. <laughs> your act hasn't changed much. Neither has yours. She is in line at the end uh, when she's speaking to Colin Firth, and she's like, I love you, and I always have. I'm like, you famously hated him in yeah. the first movie for pretty much almost the whole movie. We were surprised you liked him at all when you suddenly liked him. We, we didn't know why. Right. So don't give me this, yeah. I've always loved you, always have. That's just bullshit platitudes. I mean, the first three minutes around. you met him, he insulted you horribly and made you feel terrible. Yes, there was good reason not to like him oh, yeah. early on. Mother, I do not need a blind date, particularly not with some verbally incontinent spinster who smokes like a chimney, drinks like a fish, and dresses like a mother. My final note is about the final line in this movie. It might have the distinction of being the worst Final line in film history. Wow. It's the perfect little cherry to put on top of the shit Sunday that this movie was. <laughs> okay. Like, she goes like, and I realize that happiness is possible, even when you're 33 and have a bottom the size of two bowling balls. <sighs> what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, that's right. That why, was the last why line. Why throw an extra jab to her being like fat? You know, like the movie sucked, but like you've just, you've closed it out with yeah. this kind of nice, all right, things are okay again. And then just throw this. It's just not a funny line. You're no. not ending on a funny line. It's a comedy. Yeah. If you're not going to end on something poignant, it sure as hell better be funny. Right. All right. So it'll definitely be redeemed, Scott, when we get to Bridget Jones' baby. And just like the prodigal son, I've returned. Anyone stepping on me, you'll get burned. Because I got lyrics, but you ain't got none. If you come to battle with a shotgun. Boy, Colin Firth looking old, huh? Time yes. is going on, and she had all the plastic surgery, and she's got not a wrinkle on her face. Yeah. But Colin's kind of old now. A couple of shots, you're like, ooh, that's kind of an old dude. Yeah. 
But he always kind of looks like that typical old English guy, or like slightly weathered English foppery. Yeah. yeah, like you imagine. Like I, I already imagined in the first movies, like a patch of gray on his temples. Yeah, just good in point. my head, he yeah. just seems like that. Oh, at the funeral, they reveal that uh, Hugh Grant's character's middle name is Vivian. <laughs> I didn't notice. Really, they make no mention of it. It's just Daniel Vivian Cleaver. Maybe it's in honor of his mother or something. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe you know such things do exist. Sure. And also at the funeral, they say to, to Bridget, like, you should say something for his mom. I'm like, have you met his mom? Like, have, you, have you ever had any interaction at all? Like, who the fuck? Would, why would she care? Like, that is, the, is that really the closest he ever came to having any kind of relationship with a woman? Julianne Moore, brilliant actress, loathes me. <laughs> yes. Rachel Weisz, clever, beautiful, despises me. Yes. Oh. Drew Barrymore made her cry, hates me. So we meet Patrick Dempsey for the first time in this movie. He plays what would have been the Hugh Grant part. Yes. And, uh, you know, lately I've kind of been doing this daily poor man thing. I think I'm going to do an Instagram account for it soon where we take a character and then kind of show the poor man's version of that actor or character. Patrick Dempsey, especially in this movie, is a poor man's version of Rob Lowe. He yeah. sounds like Rob Lowe. The, the, the clipped way he speaks is Rob Lowe-esque. Yeah. Preppy. It, especially uh, like his character from Parks and Rec. That's the one thing I was like, I feel like they did that on purpose because they were like, well, we don't want people to think this was just the role that Hugh Grant turned down. Yeah. And then we changed. So we like, he kind of took it from a different angle of being kind of positive about right. all these things, you know? And we knew Patrick Dempsey, of course, from uh, uh, the movie Can't Buy Me Love is what made him famous as a kid. But I think, uh, what, Grey's Anatomy, the television show, he played McDreamy on it. Right. And that brought him back as an adult and kind of reinvigorated his career. Flaws are unacceptable to McDreamy. Don't McDreamy me. McDreamy is being a McAff. He is an alcoholic. How long has he been drinking? And then, really, Colin Firth, before they have sex, the funniest part of the movie is when she mentions Gangnam style to him. And he's like, I've been to Gangnam. You do mean the suburb of... I've been to South Korea. And he goes through the whole history of it. It's very funny to me. Open Gangnam style. This is the flip in this whole movie is that now it's two good guys kind of against each other. And it was reminiscent to me of our last trilogy, Iron Man versus Captain America, two good guys battling it out. Of course, yeah. later, Patrick Dempsey is jerky and is, becomes Hugh Grantish in his own way. But right. ultimately, he's a better man. It's two good guys. He wants yeah, to be absolutely. a good guy. Uh, but, I think, so. but I think that's a credit to this, this screenplay, I think, is the best one of the three because... Mm. It puts them both in an active position where they're both included in the movie the whole time. Agreed. You know, where the first movie even, they were both included because they both vied for her attention and they just ran into each other randomly. But this was the most, I thought, like, well, you get to actually see them sort of fight yeah. over her. There was a refreshed know? look at it. It wasn't, I'll give you that, no question about it. Yeah. It had its moments. It did. Oh, we didn't even mention that they've they cut the smoking out of this movie to go with the times. No, oh, they yeah. couldn't make this movie now. That she doesn't smoke anymore. I mean, in addition to her face being different. And her, and her body being different, it's her behavior is also different. Right. And are we really to believe that she's a competent news producer now? Okay, she got her shit together a little bit. She's still a fuck up. She's still, mm. you know, she's clumsy. She's insensitive sometimes. Mm. But but it's kind of like it makes sense. It tracks with the Look fact that Scott really she's got the new face and she lost baby. all that weight. Look like at you. Well, I thought that was the one thing that I often I find that that I do like the third movie in a series. Not always, but like. When it's like this, where I think it does a good job of sort of tying everything back together. Yeah. And it's got a, I think, sort of a fluid through line as a movie. A little yeah, more, yeah, yeah. a little more fluid than uh, even the first one. All right. I hear you. It was refreshing after the second one, I'll tell you. you well, know? anything would have been. Yeah. You could have shown me the video from the, uh, from Jonestown. Uh, Emma Thompson, very funny. Just yeah. Good. Oh, what? and I don't know if we mentioned Trilogy Superstar. She was in Men in oh. Black 3. Ah. Very good. She is a trilogy superstar. Good yes. call. That was your other one. Remember your yoga. Fuck yoga! Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. It's supposed to relax oh. one, but I just spend the entire time clenching my sphincter in an effort not to fart. Oh. <laughs> and how could that guy possibly have been some sort of internet mogul with that terribly designed website? It's music's coming from it. Yeah, it's, it's like talking at you and shit. Are there any like, websites that do that at all? That the only one I can think <laughs> of is the Domino's Pizza website <laughs> when you put your order in. People don't want the computer talking to them. Yeah. They want it silent because they don't want anyone knowing what they're doing on the computer. Terrible website.
Terrible. Who is like, oh, well, you know, I'm kind of a meek guy. Maybe I'll go on a dating <laughs> website and find a girl. And then like, oh, you've made a match. Hey, everybody was in the earshot. <laughs> Nobody wants that. You don't have to be lonely at FarmersOnly.com. City folks just don't get it. Oh, there's the uh, <laughs> when she's trying to I think she's trying to not have the two of them meet. They're both at the event, right? And like she grabs that random guy, that random Indian guy, and yeah. he's like, "Oh, this is." And looks at the name tag, and it's like, I was like, I genuinely laughed pretty hard at that. I was like, "That's a funny gag." Like, yeah. the, just the way, like, oh, I picked the wrong. I can't pronounce that. Let me be the first to present to you, Mister and Mrs. Apu Nahasabima Petalam. Before, you know, Dempsey sort of drops out or whatever, before it shifts in that direction. Yeah. He's painting that baby room. Okay. So he does this elaborate painting where he's like, oh, babies are colorblind at first. So it shows dimension. Like spatial reasoning or some shit. The next sentence, he's like, Bridge, I got an idea. We should move out of here into my place. <laughs> why are you painting it then? Why have you wasted Why are you the whole working day? so hard? The baby's not even here yet. Yeah. Why have you wasted your whole day painting? Show me paint the fence. Up, done. So she's out in the street. She's got all her shit locked into that oh, bag. we talked about that. Okay. She's sitting out in front of the house, and Colin Firth shows up to save her and immediately breaks her window and then is like, here you go, and makes her walk in. I'm like, there's glass all over the floor. Yeah. You're letting this pregnant woman, my hero, right, yeah. comes to the rescue. Why was your solution to break the window? Anyone could yeah. have broken the window. She could have broken the window. <laughs> it seemed more like it's like, I can't wait to get inside. Yeah. Like, I have to, like. Really weird. Yeah, like, oh. What a lucky coil. You see this sometimes in movies, but it's really, really grossed me out at the end here. The baby comes out, and they have to dress the baby like it's a newborn baby. So there's a little bit of like the afterbirth yeah, and some like too much, and they're doing the kiss, and on they're the f- kissing. That that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like I'm like, wait, we polish it, it like the way when a bowling ball comes out of that chute, and you pick up the bowling ball and you give it that quick polish with your. You're like in the uh, Big Lebowski. Yeah. You put it in the little pouch, and just I'm telling you, back it's and forth. Thick- that's a little, even a little elaborate. <laughs> Good stuff, Scott. Good stuff. Yes. If you're a girl. Yes. Otherwise, I suffered through these movies in a very major way. Yes. But that talk is over now. And thank God we've got Phil to cheer us up. I had a lot of questions about the particular scene from the first one where they all go to the the uh, Tarts and Vickers party. Yeah, never heard of that myself. I had never heard of it either. Hmm. So I thought, you know, we should really have him uh, look into this. Investigate for us. it for us. So uh, we got him invited to a Tarts and Vickers party um, and he is going to attend and give us a report and tell us what it's like because I think, you know, that'd be I, interesting. I can't wait. Let's listen. All right. Hello, Gov. Phil here, your field correspondent for the Trilogy Podcast. I'm in jolly old London, and uh, I'm about to walk into a Tarts and Vickers party, which, as I understand it, is a sort of horny Comic-Con. So, basically, Comic-Con. I'm appropriately dressed as a Catholic priest, and I don't see anyone else dressed up. Wait a minute. I knew it. Yeah, great. Another setup. Thanks, boys. Obviously... The guys have sent me to a normal party and had me dress up as a priest to embarrass myself. Very funny. I see the humor. Uh, well, I guess I'll head back to the airport. That's and... him, Mummy. That's the vicar who touched me, boom. Oh, fuck. Hold it right there, you bloody pervert. Here we go again. Stop him! Get out of the way! Stop right there! No, I'm not really, I'm not really a priest! Come back here! I'll get him. <laughs> oh! Oh, fuck! Oh, I think I broke my nose. Oh, no, no. Take oh, this, you cheeky pedo. Oh, no, wait, no, stop. Ah, stop it. No, no, I'll let you reach out to him. I don't even know that I can look at him for the next few days. Yeah, well, we'll see. All right, Scott. So let's break it down so the world knows how two men perceive the Bridget Jones trilogy. Because they've been dying to know. I know. <laughs> and ladies, if you're listening now, 
follow these recommendations. And you're welcome. I bet I can predict yours because you've really been very high on the third film, Scott. I have been. And I, I think, uh, I, yeah, I, I was convinced. I think the third one is, you know, for me, the best one. I okay. thought it was the most complete story. Because even the first one, I, I don't think the first one is all that bad. Again, it's not for me. Right. Um, but the, the first one is okay. I laughed a few times. There was comedy for sure in sure. the first one. But I just think the third one is just a tighter, tighter movie. I think I'm going to go with a a 3-1-2. Rare. Do you know what my order was for Captain America last time? What was it, Scott? It was a 3-1-2. Oh, baby. Yeah. All right. I think it was an unsuccessful trilogy. Okay. I think my feeling after watching the first one for the first, this is my unadulterated hot take, was... Oh, that was okay. And then I realized there were two more movies, and I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Because I was like, this is like a fine idea for one movie. Sure. You know, and to stretch it out, even though I think they successfully were able to make it work for the third one, it wasn't worth having that second one. Awful. I'm going to keep it pretty simple. I agree with you pretty much in every way. The only difference for me is that I'm going to flip-flop the third and the first movie. So I'm going to say um, it went one, three, two for me. I was close to saying that, I too. just think the sheer originality of the first film, meeting all these characters for the first time, carried the day over the third one a little bit because the third one was long. It went two hours. And that's yes, a long right. time for this kind of a movie. You're right. And I also personal preference i'm not interested in baby stuff i just don't think it's funny i think that is ultimately i, I realized that too that's another reason i think i like so. the third movie is i enjoy baby themed okay. uh, movies you know fair enough what are you gonna do don't try and make it like i'm some this guy fucking, doesn't think babies yeah, are cute you're making me have to be an ogre oh all Get right. great you've got the moral high ground you like babies oh you like babies and monkeys and i'm just a terrible person <laughs> <laughs> all right Scott, we did this. We did it. You know what? Just in time for the new year. Yeah. And you know what? It wasn't that bad. It wasn't so terrible. And maybe, you know, I think it's inspired me to maybe make a couple of my own uh, resolutions in life. Like what, Scott? Well, I don't know. I'll have to think about it, but I, I'm really, yeah. there's really not really, that much really wrong thought, with me. You really thought you were going somewhere with that, and you just, the I car, said maybe it the would car, inspire me. The car puttered to a stop. Thank you very much, Scott. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. I do have a resolution. My resolution is to never watch the Bridget Jones movies ever again. I think I can also go with that resolution. I hope we're successful. I think we yes. will be. Ladies and gentlemen, have a fantastic new year. All right. Connecting it all with Bridget and her new year. So have a great new year yourself. And listen, you can always check us on Instagram, Scott. And you can see us on Twitter. We do all sorts of fun polls about our current trilogy. So right. check it out. Yes, I'm Vin. And I'm Scott. You've just listened to the Trilogy Podcast doing the Bridget Jones Trilogy. Oi! What the fuck? Oh, <laughs> my neighbors are going to be like, what's going on in that room? Naturally.